disquisitions relating to the matter and nature of the Xenos races, by Captain Janus Drake, Twelfth Duke of Vexus Prime, Strategos Major of House Drake, bearer of the Senatorum Imperialis, seal of exoneration, and incontestable holder of the Imperial Warrant of Trade. The Greenskins, regarding their biology and culture, such as it is. The dreadful truths on the preceding pages are of course hidden from most. If the general populace knew such a nightmarish host of predators was waiting to devour them, we would have widespread panic and rioting. Uh, editors note, more widespread panic and rioting. The greenskin menace, however, is so pervasive that even the high lords cannot keep it hidden. Barbarous tribes of orcs have been plundering our worlds since before the dawn of the Imperium. They are so numerous and savage that their presence is known everywhere. There are Imperial cultures too remote to know of holy terror that have still heard of orcs. They may go under a multitude of names, but they are all part of the green-skin menace. Most of the species arrayed against us desire to acquire wealth, seize political power and build empires. Not so the orcs. Greenskins have no interest in politics or territories. They desire only one thing, to satisfy their destructive urges in the most spectacular fashion. The orcs do not wish to build. They only wish to tear down. Their barbaric nature drives them into an endless, meaningless, frenzied war, and, if they are lacking a foe, they will happily turn on each other for the sheer joy of killing. There are countless military records concerning the orcs, but little in the way of xenological study. The nature of the subject matter precludes any kind of interaction beyond violence. The various species of greenskin are unified by their lack of intellect and primitive language, so even if one were to capture a specimen, its snarled gibberish would usually be of no scientific interest. However, in the rarefied atmosphere of precipice, the impossible is often made possible. In its drinking dens and cargo holds, almost anything may be found if one looks hard enough. And for my sins, I have done something I never imagined I would. I procured information from a greenskin. Scarburn Zapdacker is a hulking, heavily armed monster who refers to himself as a flash git, boasting incessantly about the size and quantity of his weapons. He has mastered a rudimentary form of low gothic, but maintaining any form of dialogue with him is surreal, to say the least. He resembles a savage, overgrown infant with terrifying mood swings. He is bent almost double by the mountain of scarred muscle that covers his upper body, but he is still as tall as I am. I imagine if he were able to stand upright, he would tower over me. His biceps are as thick as a man's chest. His body makes a peculiar wheezing, gurgling sound as he moves, and he smells like rotting fungus. I have forced myself to endure several audiences with the thing, however, though not on the vanguard, throne forbid, and as a result I have broadened my knowledge of this brutal species. Orcs, or Orcus Vulgus. A survivor of an orc attack, editor's note, something of a rarity. 
would think the rabid horde consisted of a uniformly deranged rabble. But, as I struggled to tease intelligible answers from Zap Dacker, I was shocked to learn that the Greenskins have a clearly delineated society, ordered by a brutally simple hierarchy, strongest and largest at the top, weakest and smallest at the bottom. Zapdaka spoke of mobs and warbands, and it would seem that multiple warbands, uh, note, perhaps equivalent to squads and regiments, are called a tribe. He also mentioned clans, but I'm not sure how they fit into the hierarchy. I would theorise that the clans may be more of a cultural or religious affiliation. War bosses and warlords are the most powerful of all the orcs, ruling by virtue of their size and ferocity, and the amount of uh, gear. I believe he meant weapons they own. Zap Dacker became worryingly agitated when he said that the flashiest gear was always taken by the boys in mega armour. When I asked for an explanation of the term, Zapdaka became even more irritated, clenching his enormous fists and grunting about boys who got too big for their boots. I sensed by Zapdaka's fury that this may have been the reason he now travels apart from other greenskins, proudly referring to himself as a freebooter. Note, I asked Zapdaka to explain what he meant when he referred to himself as a freebooter, from his bellowed response, I deduced that the name describes an orc that has eschewed tribes and clans, seeing himself above such things, and struck out on his own, acting as a free-ranging corsair. To my surprise, Zapdacker implied that there are orcs capable of doing things other than fighting. Zapdacker grimaced at the idea, as though it were the strangest perversion imaginable, but he claimed that some orcs are born with the ability to build things or fix things. Some of them apparently understand how the insides of a body work and are able to repair sections that are broken. Others are able to repair and even build complex machines. Zabdaka grew agitated again when he mentioned orcs whose heads conduct some kind of warp current. He said that all the fun of battle builds up in their heads like water, crushing against a dam. Sometimes it makes them sick. Uh, note, Zapdaka described this as a useful close-quarters weapon, so I would hazard a guess it is not vomit as we understand it. But if the excitement grows too great, their heads explode, killing them and anyone near them. He described them as walking warp bombs. Of course, this may all be the ravings of a simpleton, but several xenological texts have suggested that some greenskins might be psychic resonators, able to absorb battle rage and convert it into a psychic weapon. If this is true, it would add a troubling dimension to the greenskin problem, implying that they are somehow linked to the etheric forces of the immaterium. As... Zapdacker veered from topic to topic. He mentioned a subspecies, or perhaps just a rank of greenskin, that live for the joy of setting things alight. He explained that the powerful flamers they carry are great fun in battle, but that these kinds of orcs are hard to keep on track, as their primary focus is igniting as many things as possible. 
He laughed as he recounted tales of orcs forgetting their orders as they watched their victims dancing and twitching in the flames. It was chilling to watch him talk like this. There is something about how he described the deaths that, to my mind, captures the very essence of the greenskin race. They are not evil as such. They merely delight in wreaking carnage, like a small child laughing as it pulls an insect apart. Somehow, this thought makes them seem all the more horrific. Gretchen, Orcus Nasus. Zabdaka became even more amused when I asked if orcs were the lowest rank in greenskin society. He explained that there are many kinds of inferior orcoid living in fear of the mighty boys. Gretchen, he claimed, are the diminutive orc subspecies that lack the impressive muscle mass of their kin and only grow to half their height. From what I can discern, note, Zapdaka's bucket of a jaw is so teeth-crowded that he struggles to articulate anything clearly. Gretchen are not a great deal of use in battle, other than as a dispensable tide of bodies that can clog up the enemy's lines before the larger orcs attack. Zapdaka referred to them as sneaky and cunning, and I wondered if that might mean the Gretchen make up for their lack of size with greater intellect. If Zabdaka is a good measure of orc intelligence, Gretchen would not require much brain power to gain the upper hand. Snotlings. Orcus Severum. When Zabdaka began talking about snotlings, I thought at first he was describing a kind of morsel of food. Then he mentioned using them as ammunition and finally talked about the snotlings' role as slaves. It seems that the tiniest member of the orcoid species fulfills all three of these roles, depending on the whims of its larger kin. I initially dismissed them as being of little interest, but when Zap Dacker mentioned their squig-herding duties, I pounced on the word squig, having encountered it in various texts without ever pinning down its meaning. After agreeing a further payment, he was able to offer a great deal of information on the subject. Squigs. One of the more outlandish xenological theories concerning greenskins is that they are not animals at all, but a form of Ascomacota, uh, fungi, uh, that reproduces asexually through the distribution of spores. I would not deign to mention it here were it not for the subspecies we shall discuss next. If my orcoid informant, Zap Dacker, is to be believed, note and I find it very hard to credit him with the wit to be duplicitous, there are countless forms of the Xeno species known as the Squig, and, from the sketches I have procured here on Precipice, they do appear almost like a kind of animated feral fungus. Could it be that the orcs are a hybrid of the animal and the fungal kingdoms, Perhaps at some point in their ancestry, the orcoids became host to a fungal parasite that now exists inside them in a more symbiotic manner, granting them strength and regenerative powers while devouring their minds. I'm only scratching at the beginnings of a theory, but if you look at the illustrations on the following pages, I hope you will at least understand my interest in this peculiar orc subspecies. Here are just a few of the species of squig Zabdaka described. The attack squig. Orcus ferrochitis. That's good enough. These savage creatures are used as a mixture of pet and weapon by the larger greenskins. 
They have a very simple morphology. Essentially, a, a gaping, teeth-filled mouth on a pair of muscular legs. Zabdagger spoke fondly of his own attack squig, and talking proudly of the carnage it wreaked whenever it was let off the leash. I asked him what became of the animal. Oh, I ate it, replied Zabdagger cheerfully, giving me the impression that any kind of squig is considered edible and a push. The Squigoth, Orcus Prodigium. As well as variations in anatomy, squigs vary massively in size, ranging from small, snack-sized creatures to enormous squigoffs. Some of the squigoffs are only slightly larger than the attack squigs, but Zabdaka implied that some of them grow to such a colossal size that orcs are able to build howders on their backs and ride them to war, laden with heavy weaponry. Even the most Modestly-sized greenskin has a tough hide, but these walking mountains have skin-like armour plating and are able to smash through redoubts and gun emplacements as easily as trampling a hedge. Note: The acclaimed xenologist Magus Calx witnessed one of these behemoths in action during the fall of Hydrus Ulterior, and his reports described the carnage it created, stomping through one of his research facilities. Calx had an impressive Skitari force at his disposal, but they failed to stop the Squigoff's advance. It would have destroyed the whole base if it had not inadvertently broken through a plasma generator and become trapped in the current. As the Squigoff began to cook, surrounding greenskins rushed to assist, trying to shove the monster to safety. They too became trapped by the current, but that did not deter other orcs from attempting the same thing. As more orcs became trapped with the squig-off, a huge bonfire of orc flesh began to form. Calx ordered his Skatari troops to withdraw, and they watched from a distance as the orcs and squig-off melted into a single hideous mass. Calx concluded a sketch, but I've decided to omit it from this work for reasons of taste. The Squighound, Orcus Canis. Some squigs are hybrid species, combining orcoid pseudo-fungus with the anatomy of recognisable animals. See my symbiosis theory at the start of this section. The Squighound resembles a cross between an attack squig and a ferocious dog. Zabdaka described a creature with four legs and matted hair, along with the ubiquitous gaping mouth found on almost all squigs. According to Zabdaka, squighounds are mainly used as a form of entertainment, inflicting small acts of cruelty on the smaller species of greenskins, such as Gretchen and Snotlings. The targeting squig, Orcus scopum. Some squigs rarely leave the bodies of their masters, perching on shoulders or heads to perform a simple task. Targeting squigs have a single enlarged eye that fills most of their faces, and when an orc marksman, note, I am stretching the term marksman here, orcs achieve success through numbers and the savagery of their attacks, rather than through any specific martial skills. Having observed them in action, I do not believe they undergo any form of training or drills before engaging their enemy. It takes aim, the targeting squig seems to assist him in some way. Some xenologists have suggested that this is due to a form of psychic link that stems from the gestalt fungal nature of the greenskins. 
I am more inclined to believe that something more mundane is going on. The squig probably talks to the orc, or perhaps even nudges the gun. Squigian. 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 Orcus Arium. The Squigian, Squigian, is a small winged form of squig. They have little or no attack capabilities and would be harmless had the Greenskins not struck upon the idea of using them as messengers. This may sound absurdly archaic, but in a strange way, the simplicity of the Greenskin tactics can sometimes be to their advantage. In Magus Calc's reports from Hydra's Ulterior, he describes with obvious frustration how the orcs used winged messenger squigs to communicate with each other when his own more advanced methods, uh, Vox, etc., had been knocked out by the destruction of the plasma generator. He sent one of his Archaeopter up to try and shoot the squigins down, but only grew angrier as he realised he was wasting his valuable resources on a fruitless chase. Eating squig. Orcus consummate. The name Squig covers a bewildering array of creatures that accompany the Greenskin tribes. When I asked Zapdaka how they transported this peculiar menagerie to the worlds they invaded, he became confused. He told me that the Squigs live in cesspools, implying that they emerge somehow from the orc's waste. With that in mind, it is particularly grotesque that the next form of squig Zapdaka described was the so-called eating squig, which appears to be a kind of oversized mollusk bred entirely for its meat. Zapdaka spoke enthusiastically about the many different kinds of eating squig and said that he was starting to feel hungry just thinking about them. Bomb squig, Orcus tumultum. It is a testament to the might of the Orc tribes that they managed to pose such a threat while being so monumentally dim-witted. They use, or have bred, a particular type of squig to carry incendiary devices into battle, even though the creatures have little or no sense of direction. As a rule, squigs are prone to chasing after things, so their Orc handlers have deduced that they can strap a bomb to one and it will charge after the fast-moving vehicle it sees. A person of even limited intellect would see the flaw in this plan. The bomb squigs often chase the wrong targets, including members of their own tribe. This absurd method of war encapsulates the baffling nature of the orcs. They are crude and idiotic, and yet they do win again and again, even when facing enemies of vastly superior intellect. There is something in the way they delight in destruction and carnage that makes them almost unbeatable. If a bomb squig inadvertently destroyed one of their own armoured vehicles, the orcs would find it amusing rather than demoralising. They would almost be comedic if it were not for the shocking horror of seeing an orc cheerfully laughing while butchering innocent civilians. And there concludes the results of my brief interrogation, questioning, friendship with Zapdaka. I have gathered extensive information on various other Xenos races, both great and small. I will bring this information to you in due time. Until then, may the Emperor protect. Thank you everybody for supporting the channel. Please do give the video a like. Let me know in the comments what you think. I'll bring you some more 
little fun things like this very, very soon. Thank you to everybody supporting the channel. You can see your name scrolling up here. If you'd like to join this company of heroes, please consider becoming a YouTube member, a Patreon member, or a member on Subscribestar. Otherwise, what am I saying? I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.